This is Better Benefits, a podcast from the team at Brella Insurance. We're talking about how to use employee benefits to build a world where health hardships don't create financial burdens. If you're a broker or employer looking for fresh ideas and new products employees will actually use, this show's for you. Hi there, I'm Laura Cave, Head of Marketing here at Brella, and with me as always is our Chief Revenue Officer, Mike Zarillo, for a special episode of Better Benefits. Today, we're talking to John Kim of Brewer Lane Ventures. John is the lead investor in Brella's recently announced $15 million Series A fundraising round, and he brings many years of experience in the insurance space to his new role on our board of directors. So Mike, before we introduce John, this is a really big milestone for us. And I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of a progress report on where things stand with Brella today and what you've learned over the past year. Yeah, it really is a a special uh, episode for us, Laura. And again, it's always great to be hosting with you. And you pose a great question. And I would love to give everyone a bit of an update on what's happening here at Brella. First, you know, I have to say, I know we've talked about this a lot off the air and just how proud we are of the progress here at Brella and, and just uh, to see the hard work come to fruition and and, uh, and the market be receptive to the Brella product has been great. So the last 12 months have been full of milestones. And I guess I'll summarize those into three areas for our audience. And, and first, it starts with our insurance product and the technology platform that we've built to power the product. In the last 12 months, obviously through Amanda Turcott's leadership as our chief insurance officer, we've built a really innovative and different insurance product that fits the needs of today. And we talk about how the insurance product and technology go hand in hand. And that's the product itself is just half the equation. The other half is building a a true end-to-end technology platform that supports really every aspect of the customer journey in the last 12 months. So put those together and we're bringing something very different and, and innovative to the market. And I think the next big milestone for us has been the engagement that we're seeing from leading benefit brokers in Texas, which is really a validation of our value proposition, the insurance product and the technology. Brokers are hungry for new and different solutions to solve the challenges that they face in working with their employer clients. And we are a natural extension to that discussion and and really seeing great receptivity from from our broker partners. And lastly, the interest uh, from strategic partners has been terrific. And we're really bullish about this here at Brella. And the benefit space is full of partners that share our vision of bringing a consumer-focused, simple supplemental health insurance product to the market. So excited about where those partnerships can lead as we uh, look forward from here. And and these are some of the things that we shared with John and his team and other investors that brought us to this important Series A milestone and the confidence to greenlight the Brella offering nationally as we expand. What we're going to do today on this show is really give employers, brokers, and, and other industry stakeholders a pretty transparent view of what we're learning in our journey to build a world where health hardships don't create sudden financial shocks for American workers. Yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we spent a lot of time on the show highlighting what other organizations are building, but we haven't shared yet what's been happening at Brella. 
And that's for an important reason because the show is not an ad. It's truly an exploration into the solutions that will make benefits work better for employers and their teams. But obviously we're big believers in, you know, that Brella is a really important new health benefits solution. So it's a good time to bring that back into focus and start to unpack some of the reasons behind that. And I think John will help us do that today. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and introduce John. John Kim is founder and managing partner of Brewer Lane Ventures. And prior to founding Brewer Lane, John was president and chief investment officer of New York Life Insurance Company. And during his 10-year career at New York Life, led the growth of the company's assets from $213 billion to $582 billion while managing the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. And previously, John's held CEO roles in other insurance, retirement, and asset management firms, including Prudential Retirement, Cigna Retirement and Investment Services, and Altus Investment Management, a subsidiary of Voya. John, we're thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be with you. So John, tell us a little bit about how you became interested in investing in the insurance space, and you've been doing it for a long time now, and I'm, I'm curious how you came to found Brewer Lane. Sure, Laura. Well, my journey goes back nearly 40 years when I joined the old Aetna Life and Casualty Organization in the mid-80s as a, actually an employee benefits underwriter. So after a couple of years in that role, I moved into the investment organization and stayed in investments and retirement services for over 30 years. I've touched virtually every investment asset class from public and private equities to public and private bonds, real estate, hedge funds, and certainly uh, venture capital. I've worked for some great Fortune 500 companies like Aetna and Cigna and Prudential, an asset management subsidiary of UPS. And most recently, as Mike, you mentioned, I spent 10 great years at New York Life where I retired in 2018 after 10 great years as the company's chief investment officer and president. Importantly, though, in 2013, I actually started a New York Life's venture investing effort, which actually produced some very good results. So starting Brewer Lane Ventures after my retirement from New York Life was a very natural continuation of my career. I felt that investing in early stage InsurTech was very attractive and timely, especially if we could combine strong investment acumen with deep operating experience. We are in our second year of investing. We've already made 13 investments, the most recent being our investment umbrella, and our strategy of combining investing and operating skills have already borne out. John, that's great. And, and I think if you look at your experience, you've certainly seen the industry evolve over some years For our audience, what trends in the benefit space have you been watching? And looking forward, what do you think needs to change? Sure. What's very clear, and I assume that the audience knows these trends as well as I I do, but the movement into voluntary benefits uh, as being more a mainstream offering is clearly a trend that is not only in place, but gaining traction. And I would say that COVID and the pandemic has only accelerated the importance of that. As we all know, the first priority for a broker is always on the health insurance side, and that will remain the first order priority. We also know that core ancillary products like dental and vision and employer paid basic life insurance are generally second. Then the third would be the voluntary benefits arena 
While brokers don't often need to lead, uh, what we are seeing uh, trend-wise is, is that the supplemental worksite uh, conversations uh, uh, do come up more often than they were in prior years. For example, in 2005, we observed that maybe you know voluntary benefits would be part of uh, you know uh, the conversation half the time. Now it's uh, very apparent to us that voluntary benefits is not a nice to have, rather necessary part of the overall package. I think the issue that Brella is going to face is really this paradigm shift that is only accelerating as a result of the pandemic and the, the old adage that we've always done it this way. And I think Brella is disrupting that. So that will require some additional effort. But I believe the marketplace is absolutely ready for this paradigm shift. Lastly, as I just mentioned again, I think the post-COVID environment will be quite favorable for voluntary products, especially in supplemental health. Employers will be stretching to manage expenses while growing top-line revenues. And while managing benefit expenses is really important for them, they will be also looking to attract and retain their high quality talent. What better environment for an employer than today where you can offer an innovative solution like what Brella offers? So John, I was going to actually ask you to dig a little bit deeper into how you first heard of Brella's story and what ultimately made you decide to invest. Well, how much time do you have, Laura? (laughs) I could spend a lot of time on this one. As I mentioned, you know, I started in the old Aetna organization in the mid-80s as an employee benefits underwriter. So investing in Brella is sort of like coming full circle for me. You know, I was first introduced to Veer Gidwani about a year and a half ago as uh, Brella was completing its seed round financing. And I immediately liked Brella's vision and the customer value proposition. Veer was introduced to us by actually a couple of folks uh, with very high endorsement. And I have to say over the past year and a half of some frequent interactions with him, he has exceeded our expectations. Well, in addition to our bullish view of of Veer, the Brella leadership team is as strong as we've seen for a startup at this stage. And I really do mean that. In addition to the two of you, we really like Amanda Turcott, the chief insurance officer, and Abby Albright, the head of product strategy. Beyond your respective areas of expertise, all of you share the enthusiasm for the company's mission, values, and purpose. It's not just about achieving financial success, but creating societal value. That's very inspiring to witness from my perspective from the entire Lane Ventures team. And speaking of societal value, we love Brella's product innovation. As a technology-enabled supplemental insurance company, it provides a novel product like no other, combining multiple products into one that covers 13,000 conditions with a data-driven recommendation engine, enabling the product to adapt and sit next to existing health coverage. We felt product innovation and importantly, simplicity were critical in order to drive higher enrollment rates. As a result of the product innovation, we believe brokers will be able to sell the product as part of a holistic sale alongside core health insurance. You know, and then the other thing that we love about the company is the addressable market. Venture capital like capitalists like to call it TAM, total addressable market. We think the addressable market for Brella is just enormous. You know, since 1995, health insurance deductibles have grown by nearly 800% and premiums have grown by over 300%. 
During the same period, household income has only grown by 18%, 800% on deductibles and 18% on income. This means that as healthcare is becoming more expensive, more of the cost has been put on the individual. The majority of the population is not equipped to handle the burden with 50% of U.S. adults fearing bankruptcy due to a major health event. This fear is not unwarranted as two-thirds of all bankruptcy filings are at least partially caused by medical issues, including high cost of care and missed time due to injury or illness. As a result, 8 million Americans have sadly turned to crowdfunding to pay for health care costs. You know, that's a real public shame in many respects. And unfortunately, the pandemic has further exacerbated the need. And I would say last and certainly not least, we think Borella's go-to-market strategy is absolutely spot on and will allow the company to achieve its aspirations quickly and profitably. Given my experience with employee benefits, I especially love Borella's co-branding initiative where the company has the potential to become the go-to supplemental health insurance as a service partner to incumbents. By enabling insurance brands to distribute Borella's novel product via existing distribution network, Brella can significantly accelerate its growth, working alongside incumbents who want to jumpstart or expand their supplemental health product. This dates me, Laura, but you know, going back to you know, my early days in investing, in the mid-90s, Alan Greenspan was quoted as saying that the markets were irrationally exuberant. Right. I am rationally exuberant about Brella. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. And John, I have to say, you are hired. I'm going to get you on that sales circuit as fast as possible because you you just have the pitch and story down. So uh, it is really good to hear. I have the luxury of telling that story day in and day out. And, and I just love hearing it on, on Rewind from you because I think your comments are just so spot on about the space and, and what we're looking at today. Well, th- thank you, Mike. And, you know, beyond sort of the rhetoric of, what I just said from an investor perspective, I hope the audience fully appreciates. I truly believe this. Uh, and I think that you know, when, when you have an investment like Brella, where you look for financial returns, but also are looking for reasons why this is going to produce value to society, I think Brella ticks both of those important boxes. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. So John, you've made a career out of taking calculated risks in order to to move your business and our industry forward. And and for our audience, specifically brokers and and employers, what advice would you give to those who are trying to manage a lot of the change that we've experienced in the last year that you articulated earlier? And I guess in other words, how do you know when to take a risk and try something new? Yeah, Mike, I, I might even reframe that question and say, I actually think that, you know, the doing business with Brella and offering its, uh, you know, such great novel product is not much in terms of risk taking. I actually believe that Brella could be and should be a career enhancer for brokers as uh, brokers offer such a unique product in a 
growing voluntary benefits marketplace, which should allow them to defend their relationships with existing clients and add, certainly add new customers. Umbrella should be, in my mind, a must-have for employers. Employees like more control over their benefits, and employee paid benefits is absolutely growing, unlike a, a lot of other employee benefits products. Most Americans only talk about insurance at the work site, so the work site engagement is important. And so this creates a real ripe opportunity for employers to offer a product like Brella's that employees actually want and importantly need. Uh, so this is it's an unusual category of fulfilling on a value proposition that again is the end consumer both wants and needs. So in the context of taking calculated risk, it's very asymmetrical from my perspective, seizing on a major opportunity that offers very little downside and tremendous upside. Yeah, it's interesting. We've been talking about the pain or the the cost that goes into changing how you do things. That's always comes with a little bit of extra effort, learning curves, and you know, but when you notice that the cost of not changing is higher than the cost of change, then I think your point is well taken. Is it really even a risk at that point? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, to underscore my prior point on that, Laura, is, is that the pandemic has really caused that pain point to rise fairly dramatically. So you're almost in a perfect situation here where you've got the financial pain point being high and now almost a psychological, emotional pain point being very high. And so the need for supplemental health could not be greater in my mind than what we face in the next year plus. That's right. You know, there's research that shows something like 33% of Americans delayed healthcare in 2020, which means it's coming this year. And that care being delayed, you know, is not good for our health. So the combination of the risk of COVID, delayed care from 2020, the long-term impacts of COVID, which we haven't even seen yet, a mental health crisis that's being pretty well documented. There are a lot of reasons why people are going to be exposed in 2021 and 2022 to the cost sharing associated with their health plan. And when you think about the fact that 60% of Americans would have to borrow to pay an unexpected $1,000 expense, according to a recent bank rate study. And then you compare that to the average American having a $1,600 deductible, and that's even higher for families. Like Everyone is going to face a financial crisis when these health issues start actually hitting their bank accounts. And so we feel like the timing couldn't be better for us to be coming into maturity as a product, nationwide expansion, so that we can work with more partners and larger companies with staff all over as people are continuing to work remotely. It's just a confluence of factors that I think are making it a no-brainer, really, to consider putting Brella in play. I agree with you 100%. Now you're getting me really excited. Good stuff. Well, before we let you go, there is one question that we always ask our guests on this show because everybody who comes on is just such a phenomenal leader that we'd love to learn from. So I'm wondering if there's a book or a resource that had a profound impact on you, either personally or professionally, that you'd like to recommend to our listeners. Sure. Uh, If I may, I'd like to offer a couple. 
So my favorite, actually, during my formative years here in business, actually, when I was in the old Aetna organization, was Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I'm sure you others have perhaps mentioned that book. That's still my all-time favorite and something that even after 30 years, Laura, I still go back to and it had a very positive impact on, on my career. And, you know, just for the audience, you know, in the off chance that you've not read the book, you know, the, basically there are seven sort of habits that, you know, we should all sort of adhere to and work on. One, being proactive. Second, begin with the end in mind. Third is first things first, focus on what's important, but not urgent activity. I often tell my team and others, that's a quadrant two activity, what's important, but not urgent. Fourth is thinking win-win, which is always a good thing, especially when you're negotiating. Fifth is seeking to first understand, then be to be understood. Six is synergize, positive, creating a positive teamwork environment. Parenthetically, I might add that uh, my sense, even going through the diligence umbrella, is as I, I felt like the senior leadership team, um, the two of you and others that I mentioned previously, were not only capable in your own, you know, dated uh, job here, but that you work very well as a team, creating that positive environment, certainly led by Veer. And then seventh is, you know, continuous improvement, uh, sharpening the saw. So that to me uh, is a book that I would recommend. And for those of you who've not read it, even after 30 years, I think the advice that's given by uh, Cubby in that book uh, still holds. I would add another one that's not so much business related, but I found very interesting. And I feel like, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur in a startup or you're a broker, an employer or a venture capitalist like me, it's always important to have a better understanding of sort of what's going on in, you know, the country and society at large. I recently read a book by Colin Woodward called American Nations that actually describes the origin of the U.S. here and the fact that we're actually not one country, but the country came together in 11 different ways, 11 rival cultures that form the immigration and origin of the various regions in the U.S., whether, uh, for example, the educated pilgrims uh, coming to Massachusetts to create religious utopia. Just parenthetically on that one, of the original 15,000 settlers who landed in Massachusetts Bay, 129 of them were graduates of Oxford and Cambridge, if you can believe that who actually immigrated to the U.S. In contrast to that, you got the poor uh, Scots and Northern English uh, with virtually no education came to greater Appalachia to uh, flee war and economic persecution. So if, if I use those two regions, if you will, to create that, the contrast here of how America came together, it actually informs, at least for me, uh, the current issues facing the country today, actually, you know, the origin perhaps of the red states and the blue states here. So I found that book not only interesting, but enlightening to inform what's going on in the country today. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing those. You're making me want to read The Seven Habits again, and no one has mentioned it on the show yet. Um, and I haven't thought of it in a while, but it truly is one of those books that you read it, but you have to kind of do it and live it to get it. And so, yeah. You're making me want to go back to that one. Excellent. 
Well, thank you, John. This has been a wonderful conversation. Really appreciate your perspective, your point of view, and all the experience that you bring. We're looking forward to working with you and the, bo- the rest of the board as we move forward into all this national expansion and everything that's next for Rella. I am as well. Thanks very much. So Mike, now as you're looking ahead at the rest of 2020 with this news in mind, I'm wondering, you know, what is what does this look like as we move forward? Yeah, great, great question. But but also just a, a big thank you for me too to John and the Brewer Lane team. You know, we we do appreciate the vote of confidence and we are so excited about working together as we start another new new chapter here at Brella. So Back to your question, Laura, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about our team is the relentless focus that we put on the right priorities. You know, we're really good at limiting the distractions and keeping our focus on the customer front and center and really everything that we do and build. So that said, you know, our Series A validates our momentum. And as you know, it's the momentum that fuels the future growth and the opportunity for us to execute on our our roadmap of work that we have left to accomplish. And And I think that starts with the customer experience, whether you're a broker or an employer, or most importantly, the employee member that we all serve together, we'll continue our focus there. And and that would be on things like continued claims automation and plan administration capabilities and member engagement tools, all of those things that allow us to continue to make it easier to do business with us and, and easier to use the product as it's designed to really prevent those financial hardships that we talked about. And and it also means that we can uh, really execute on our national expansion plan and strategy and bring the Brella value proposition and solution to more broker partners, to more employers, both large and small, and to continue the good work that we're doing with uh, strategic partners. So lots of uh, really exciting stuff on the horizon. That's awesome. And I understand you have some hiring to do <laughs> to get some of that moving. So that's great. We do. And it's it's really awesome to be able to actually, you know, kick out that that first sort of job posting to, to announce the expansion. Again, just another milestone on the list. So yes, if you're listening and uh, you do have an interest in joining a really awesome team, check us out on, on LinkedIn or shoot me a note at mike at joinbrella.com. Yeah, I think you summarized the opportunity and the work that's cut out for us really well. When I think back over the last year, I'm so proud of our progress, particularly because of the people around us. What John said about the team is really true. And I talked about that here, you know, and the community just keeps getting bigger as more brokers and employers and strategic partners and investors bring their expertise into the conversation with us. You know, that community is really supporting our thesis that insurance can be a social good. We're not just building a better benefit with an awesome customer experience, although, of course, we're doing that. You know, we're out here really to demonstrate that when we come together, we can cover people when they're sick or hurt so that that health crisis doesn't become a financial burden and we can do it in a way that drives peace of mind instead of stress and you know, we're really out to prove that that's the case. And I, I can tell you that we'll continue to be telling that story and giving periodic updates with transparency about, about how that's going. Thanks, Laura. That's well said and uh, excited about where we're headed from here. And for our listeners, if any of this discussion resonated with you, and I hope it did, and you want to get involved, shoot us an email at sales at joinbrella.com. We're working with brokers and their Texas-based clients right now in Texas and we're beginning that expansion plan. So 
if you're wondering when we're coming to your state or uh, you have an interest in sharing what we're doing with someone outside of your market, please don't hesitate to let us know. That's great. That's it. That's a wrap. Visit joinbrella.com slash podcast for notes from today's show. And if you liked the episode, share it with a colleague. This helps us spread the word. Be sure to subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss our next episode. And that's a wrap. This is Laura Cave and Mike Zarillo from the Better Benefits Podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.